how we overcome this has very has a lot to do with the public reaction to it and that's why i also say it shouldn't only be about the consumers to defend their consumption because that alone will not be enough hello world welcome to the vaping unplugged podcast everything you need to know about vaping and tobacco harm reduction Hello and welcome to Vaping Unplugged, a podcast from the World Vapors Alliance, where we talk harm reduction, vaping and politics surrounding those issues. And for the later, we have today a very special guest who is currently working on a very interesting project about the history of prohibition and how prohibition looks today. Welcome to Bill Wirtz, who is Senior Policy Analyst at our partner organization, the Consumer Choice Center. Hey, Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Michael, and hello to all the vaping people out there. Bill, before we go into your latest project, maybe you can give us a quick overview, who you are, what do you do, how, how are you connected to the vaping world, why, why is it of interest to you? So my name is Bill Wirtz. I'm originally from a small country that you cannot find on most of the maps. It's called Luxembourg. Uh, some of the Europeans will know. The international folks might not. Um, and I, uh, my background is in broadcast journalism. I used to do radio uh, and investigative journalism in, in magazines and have always written about uh, issues that pertain to uh, individualism, whether you know pe people get to make their own choices, what is the responsibility of government, uh, what is a good public health measure. Um, also, as a background, I um, I started smoking when I was, I believe, 15 years old. And I got to a point when I started studying that I was smoking about a pack a day. Um, and it's only later. I mean, I, I did reduce my tobacco consumption quite a bit just by myself. But it was, for me also personally, uh, uh, through vaping that I got this down. Um, I'm, I'm still a dual user today. Um, you know, after a meal, uh, I will smoke a cigarette, but compared to what it used to be because of vaping, I'm also, uh, have quite reduced my, my, my consumption of tobacco. Um, and I've been with consumer choice center for, uh, the last, uh, six, almost seven years ish. Um, I usually actually cover agriculture, uh, and what is so interesting with the topic of agriculture is that we have the same conversation on sort of evidence-based policymaking. So this is the bottom line of what I do is what is the evidence on this topic? And then you usually have like your uh, activists that, you know, pretend that, you know, something needs to be banned completely because uh, of adverse effects that often they um, either uh, magnify in its importance or just completely make up. And so so this, this issue... Um, uh, this issue is, is important to me. Harm reduction is important to me because it's one of those topics of uh, distortion of science. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's why I got uh, got working on it. Very cool. So basically, radio investigative journalism plus uh, nicotine consumer ties ties all into your newest project called the Fun Police. So, what is the Fun Police about? Yeah, so Fun Police is a, I mean, it's a whole campaign that we have a Consumer Choice Center. Uh, you know, it has a, has a couple of things. I mean, we have, a, we write some op-eds on, on the issue and we have a documentary which will be, which will be streaming at, uh, at the end of uh, December. But 
what I'm currently working on the most is the the podcast series. So this is where uh, we have a five-part original podcast series, uh, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the major podcast platforms, where we look into the history, the development of prohibitionism, sort of what are the motivating factors for people to want to ban vaping, smoking, alcohol, gambling, all those things that we sort of describe as vices or sins, you know, different, different words to, to describe it. And we had episode one and uh, two already released. And uh, as we are speaking, episode three is about to be released. Um, and, uh, and, and I really wanted to take the, uh, the documentary storytelling mode for this series, uh, sort of what people might be used for, for from This American Life or NPR type podcast. And the motivation for me also was that I wanted to create something that is accessible to people who don't necessarily know much about this already. And people who just stumble upon a podcast, who listens to this. I, I, was, I was telling another show not too long ago, um, there's plenty of documentaries and news reports that are very negative on, uh, on vaping. And, and a lot of the other issues that we talk about in the series. And I wanted something to be out there that is complete and also talks about harm reduction in in a, in a positive sense while also giving you all the facts. You know, I mean, activism is one thing, but we also need a lot of education out there for people. So this is what I wanted to do with this series. Did you vape today or drink? Did you have a beer, a glass of wine, place a bet or eat chocolate? There are activists out there who believe that you are hurting yourself and that for the sake of the greater good, you should be banned from doing it. These activists are neo-prohibitionists. They don't believe in your right to choose, and they have big budgets to lobby governments to restrict your lifestyle. And their actions have real consequences. Prohibition of, of something, whether it's riding without a seatbelt, whether it's selling cigarettes, this creates new opportunities for citizens to interact with the police. Garner, who had been accused of selling cigarettes illegally on New York's Staten Island, seen here being taken down by NYPD officer Daniel Pantaleo. So this Orwellian-sounding FCTC is about benefiting the black market and making poor people pay. I listen to people saying, oh, we don't want to tax the poor. Well, we want the poor to live longer so that they can get an education and enjoy life. This group took public money to create a pseudoscientific amalgamation of studies with low scientific validity to lecture you about having more than two beers a week. I think anybody here can see through the nonsense. Fun Police, a five-part Consumer Choice Center original podcast uncovering the prohibitionist movements seeking to ban it all. New episodes dropping weekly wherever you get your podcasts. And so for the listeners, what, what can they expect? What are the, the, the other topics? You already gave a little bit away. We will talk a bit more about vaping, but what are the other issues where the fun police is out and, and hunting for, for enemies? I mean, in episode one, which is called The Premise, we, we look also at the history of prohibition and, of course, the most notable example of prohibition that people can think of and always think of is alcohol prohibition. Um, and this is especially in the United States because it was not just the largest country today and at the time that had uh, this significant of, of, of alcohol prohibition, but also that was very fond of trying to enforce it, right? And you have certain products that are out there that are illegal, but the government isn't doing too much to enforce it. But prohibition in the U.S. was genuinely enforced. So we wanted to look at sort of what led to 
what led to that uh, that prohibition and and also just talk about the motivations of people because back then when people wanted to ban a vice it was because of reasons of public morality and we sort of moved away from that now so today there's no temperance movement that says vaping should be outlawed because uh, God is telling us not to vape. I don't think God has opinions on vaping. Uh, maybe some people think he, he or she does, but, uh, but but I think this argument wouldn't really stick with people today. So essentially what we have now is a public health uh, lobby, um, and, and the public health lobby describes it uh, in, in scientific terms. It says, well, smoking isn't good for you, and neither is vaping, and those two are the same thing. And the thing with scientific arguments is that people can verify them. Today, compared to to the time when uh, the temperance movement was around. Everyone now has access to endless uh, uh, mountains of information and people uh, people can actually verify and call people out on their, on their nonsense. And I think what we've seen with the anti-vaping crowd is that very often um, they take intellectual shortcuts to make their arguments. And so um, what people can expect from the episode is not just have an introduction to it, which, you know, maybe from some of your listeners, you know, there's a lot of information that might not necessarily be new, uh, but also taking a closer look at sort of the, the way the argument is constructed from the other side um, and and why it's important to talk about it. So I think this is really what I wanted to do with the series, what people can expect from it. So it's not just something that is entertaining for you to watch if you already care about the issue, but it's also something that hopefully will, um, you know, make you excited to share it with other people. Yeah, and I, um, one of my favorite parts of the of the first episode was actually that this fun police is not only public health experts. That includes nowadays a lot of um, different different um, parts of society, and one prominent part play moms in all those topics. Um, what's up with the moms? Yeah, I mean, so most organizations that start with moms against, and whether it's gambling, vaping, and so on, are now called parents against but i mean essentially the same same thing um in, in the sense that you know it's mostly mothers that are very concerned about the 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 vaping consumption in this case moms against vaping or parents against vaping the vaping consumption of um of minors and that's why they argue for widespread regulation um and i mean this is also something that i say in the episode i mean we our duty parental collective uh, obligation is to protect minors from having access to those products and to be very strict on minors not having access to those products. I, I, I very much uh, favor retailers who disregard the laws on, on you know, IDing people for, uh, um, that, that, that those should be harshly punished. I don't think they should be going to jail for that, but we should really question whether they are really actors who should have access to age-restricted products, right? That's a conversation uh, we should have. Um, and, and, and what they do is they say, well, ultimately, these companies are just trying to target children, therefore, there's no justification for them. And so they entirely disregard the, uh, the, the fact that, you know, adult smokers are quitting through, through, through e-cigarettes, through heat not burn devices, all the different nicotine uh, alternatives. Um, and so unfortunately, I mean, it's, it's really hard to argue on sort of on, on the morality of the, of the, of the, of it when you have a, a parent group that says, you know, our children are adversely affected because that's always, you know, then you really just arguing on the sort of the, 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 the sensationalist headlines that, you know, sometimes you see out there. Uh, and I, that's why I really wanted to wanted to talk about them, too, um, because because they, they're quite prolific. And just from the virtue of the way they're called, 
moms against vaping that is just you know it's eye-catching you know who would who would not be interested in that story uh, but it turns out it's not scientists uh, against vaping it's moms against vaping and um, and 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 you can see that from the arguments they're making and um, you brought us a very nice example of a, kind of a summary of my personal heroes about this issue that um, that kids are brought in into the debate um, for all different kind of reasons. And it's not always about protecting them uh, or it's always stated to protect them, but there are different goals behind that sometimes as well. And I think Ethan Nadelman um, summarized that um, very neatly and very outspoken as well in the following um, clip. Remember, nicotine doesn't cause cancer. What kills people is the burnt particle matter, the combustible stuff. That's why the public health service in Britain and, and the Royal College of Physicians has estimated that e-cigarettes are 90 to 95% less dangerous to human health than are cigarettes, right? But you still get that sort of stupid, uneducated, you're just substituting one addiction for another, Right now. And then you also, of course, go the kids, the kids, the kids. You know, why couldn't we legalize medical marijuana? I got to protect the kids. Why can we have needle change programs? Got to protect the kids. Why can't we reduce these harsh mandatory sentences? Got to protect the kids. I mean, I mean, there's always holding up, you know, as if the whole basically the whole drug war being justified as one great big child protection act. And that's exactly what's happening with the tobacco issue now. Why can't we do everything possible to get out there alternatives, alternative forms of nicotine and tobacco, including flavored products. Got to protect the kids. Got to protect the kids. Yes, yeah, so what I really liked about this rant is that you know, Ethan Edelman has this natural ability to talk himself up, even without being necessarily prompted. I really enjoy this. And he echoes the frustration that a lot of people have on this issue because, I mean, he's been, he was working for so long in, 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 sensible drug reform and he was confronted to precisely the same arguments um and, and we in the in the series also talk about rules on alcohol uh, rules on gambling and sort of the think of the children type argument a bit like from the the simpsons clip keeps coming back and and it's it's unfortunate because no matter how often you tell people this is for adult consumers you always end up back at square one where um where it's just about the, the children again i mean look if we had if we if we made every rule in mind with children can potentially access this there would be no r-rated movies out there uh there there would be no access to bungee jumping because somebody might lie about their age and do it uh even though they're underage uh, so I, i i have this this frustration and also uh, similar to, to what Ethan Edelman is expressing. And also eventually you have this tendency of disregarding it. It's like, well, you know, this children conversation doesn't really matter. That's why I always say like, I think when we have the conversation, it's always good to bring up as if we robotically keep repeating it. No children, people underage should not have access to these products. Can we now have a conversation about the actual benefits of the products? So yeah, I think it's if it's a disclaimer, we have to keep bringing up and we'll have to keep bringing it up. Um, it's unfortunate. And, uh, and, and Ethan, um, I think, expressed it best in this clip. Yeah, I fully agree with you. And it's very frustrating for us as well, because every time we talk about vaping, this is always the issue which is brought Up. And I think it's a very important issue and we need to really think of how to protect kids of accessing those kind of products. 
but I don't believe some of this anti-vaping groups or or neo-prohibitionists nowadays that they are actually care about about the kids because they don't really listen to them. If you if you look at all the surveys, it's always um, kind of problems at their personal life. So that if they would really want to help them, then they will campaign for better schools, better mental health care, um, better better housing, um, those kind of things, because that would uh, really help those young kids to stay away from dangerous um, activities or drugs or substances and those kind of things. And they never bring that up. It's always vaping flavors um, because yeah. I think most of them they want to ban the product without saying they want to ban it um, so that's always an easy example and I think that that even even um, is a disadvantage to the cause of of supporting and helping kids yeah this entire flavor conversation I think it's so asinine as if as if children are only tuned into things because of the flavor of something. I mean, like we were just, tuned I, in the smoking flavors, right? Yeah, That's, I mean, my, my first cigarette was a Marlboro Red. And <laughs> I mean, it, no, everyone who tells me that, that the first cigarette tastes good is lying. There's no way that tastes good. And and so, I mean, also children, like what is the what is the problem with both toddlers and very young children is that they pick something off the ground and try to eat it. I don't think the dirt is strawberry flavored and that's why they're picking it up. They're doing it because they're being subversive. They, they, you know, they look at sometimes, you know, you see this like children pick something up on the floor and they look at their parents as they put it in their mouth, even the way they were told not to do it. Right. And so I think it's, it's trying to be subversive. It's trying to show the friends, Hey, this is cool. This is fun. It has nothing to do with the flavors and to try and narrow it down to that. It's very silly. Um, and also, I mean, it's not like they're going to be flavorless. And this whole idea that we're going to get rid of all the flavors and now tobacco flavor is going to be the only one left, which is like just insane to me how we got to this point where the, the one thing that people are trying to quit um, is, is supposed to be the only flavor left for them. At least uh, some jurisdictions are talking about it that way. Yeah, I think the flavor debate is... I mean, that's one of those things. I mean, vaping is something you can learn about and read about and understand the the the, the effects of it. But I mean, the flavor conversation, you only need to think about it for uh, for five minutes and realize that most of the arguments just don't make sense. Yeah, but that's also the reason why almost none of those groups bring up the actual health effects anymore, because there is no debate about that it's less harmful. So they need to find a new argument. And the kids one is always the most appealing and easiest one to make. But looking looking to the to the time, uh, I would like to discuss two two things about the next episode coming out this week, uh, which is focused on vaping. And I already had the pleasure to listen to it. And I, I for me personally, there are two things in there. Um, one is um, not a real debate, but but a, a debate about Andrew Huberman. And you have a clip from him in there with John Dicey. Maybe you can give the listeners a little overview of that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the listeners are, are pretty familiar with Andrew Huberman, not just because of what he says on nicotine, but I mean, a lot of, you know, the life advice and, uh, I mean, he he's really someone who's very, has high expectations of his audience, right? I mean, it's like, his 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 podcast really goes into the detail of it and a lot of terms that, you know, you're supposed to know, apparently. Um, and, 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 he is controversial in the anti-smoking um, uh, realm because he's he he says that there are also benefits to nicotine when it comes to when it comes to concentration focus that sort of thing. Um, I think it's opportune to debate to what extent that is um, 
a positive effect that that warrants people's continued consumption i think that's that's not necessarily a good reason to continue using nicotine uh, and to what extent it is also relevant in order makes you better at your tasks and so on i think that's a scientific debate we can have but the clip that i play in the in the series is uh, from this american life where they interviewed john dicey and john dicey is sort of the um the, um, the the successor to Alan Carr, and some people will know Alan Carr from his book, The Easy Way to Quit Smoking, which essentially purports as a book that if you read this book after this, you know exactly how to quit smoking. And fair enough, I mean, it's a best-selling book, and a lot of people quit smoking cold turkey because of this book. And all power to you if that worked for you, but this idea that this is the only thing that will work out, I mean, They've created a bit of a cultish surrounding around this book because so many people have actually quit smoking because of it that they think now it must be the only solution to it. And John Dicey goes on This American Life and talks about it. And then he's confronted with the arguments of Andrew Huberman. And he goes, well, that's ridiculous. Nicotine has no benefits. And then and then, and then, then the moderator goes, well, I mean, I talked to Andrew Huberman and it sounds, you know, it sounds pretty backed up by science that there's benefits to nicotine. Um and John Dicey got, got very defensive uh, about it, and he ultimately concluded that he's not interested in reading about the science. Uh, he first says he would recognize if there were facts on this on this issue, uh, and then and then concludes that he that he's not interested in, in learning about the science. So I yeah, thought that it was very telling. That was so baffling to me. This utter uninterest in science and refuting it. I even wrote down. Let me uh, get it up. The the exact quote he said. So he he was saying. I'm struggling to understand why there is a desperation to prove that nicotine does something when it doesn't. I haven't ever heard such nonsense. And then he said about Huberman, he has a theory and he's just wrong. Um, so basically just outright saying I deny all science, which, which uh, has a different outcome than I wanted to have. And then also this, this, disrespect of all nicotine consumers who actually find some kind of benefit using it otherwise they wouldn't do it it's not like we are all some addicted robots and can't control ourselves anymore for most people it has some some positive effect as well and just denying science and then a, a, a scientist like you a man is that was so baffling to me i couldn't i couldn't believe what i'm listening to yeah i mean it, it, it's very, it, I thought it was very telling because, I mean, the entire foundation that was created after Alan Carr's death um, was about helping people quit smoking and being understanding of people who want to quit smoking and how difficult it can be. And and that's also how this episode on This American Life started out. And then the moment he's confronted with a counter argument on sort of the effects of nicotine, he gets not just irritated, he gets awfully upset um in in that conversation so that's why i really wanted to include it's one of the longer clips that i play in in, in the series but i thought it was very relevant for people to sort of sort of see how that interaction can go and how very quickly it can move away from empathy with smokers to blatantly saying i'm just not interested in the science indeed indeed um i'm not sure if i should ask these questions because i don't want to get you in a position where i need to give away um the whole conclusion of the of the fun police and the the series but what do you think where does this new prohibition trend come from and and why do we see it basically everywhere around the world i mean it really is not an old idea this is also something we talk about in episode one it's not geographically restricted or 
sometimes even ideologically believe that um to to believe that there is there there's that there is good reason for prohibition i had conversations with people who asked me well i mean cigarettes are clearly bad why don't we just ban all of them right and so this 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 idea that you know we just make it illegal therefore it goes away i mean if, and if that was true right then the drug war would have been a roaring success and nobody would have ever touched cannabis i mean if you look at just like sort of the the, the evolution of sort of the cannabis example like how harshly this drug was 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 criminalized and the consumption and the possession was criminalized and how ineffective the the, the rules were so i think prohibition has a tendency of having a cyclical comeback and now we're experiencing one of those cycles and it is very narrowed in on vaping specifically because it's a new technology and there's always going to be people who don't like it and they resort to prohibitionism um, as, as, as an idea to, to get rid of it. And how we overcome this has very, has a lot to do with the public reaction to it. And that's why I also say it shouldn't only be about the consumers to defend their consumption, because that alone will not be enough. There aren't enough people vaping out there for politicians to consider it to be a, a problem on, you know, those people are not going to not going to vote for me. And it might, I mean, it might make a difference in some constituencies and so on, but ultimately people who vape are still in the minority in the overall population. So I think we need to look at this as a whole. So to not just be, well, I'm a, I'm a vaping consumer, so I don't care about prohibition if it affects gambling because I never gamble. I think there's sort of a, the recognition that prohibition doesn't work across the board and communicating on this, like this may not be something that I'm interested in doing, but I think prohibition has negative consequences, not just for the consumers, but also for me, because what we do is we boost illicit crime and then all these gangs benefit from it. I think that's sort of what we need to do about this issue when prohibitionists come along. So all the reasons why prohibition is back in the news, um, I can't give you all of them, but I think it's sort of this, this instinctive reaction. It's like, I don't like it, let's ban it. And I think the pushback needs to be well, it's not just about your feelings. It's about well, what are the facts here on, on, on the effects of prohibition and how can we actually have a system that is productive for the users and also allows for the individuality of doing what makes you feel good. Yeah, and I think we also learned that not much is safe from the prohibitionists. So basically every consumer will use, eat, drink something which might be on the agenda in the future if if there is absolutely no pushback, even in the harm reduction world, we see it now that um, we as a vaping organization defend heavily nicotine pouches as well, because as you say, vaping might not work for everyone. Maybe for someone pouches work and we are very happy to defend those as well, because they are also on the agenda from those prohibitionists. Um, maybe to wrap it up, Bill, tell us again, where do we find fun police um, and where should we go if we need more information about this topic? Well, I'm sure that you're going to put some links in the description, but in any case, fun police on wherever you listen to podcasts, you just type that in and then you can subscribe to the podcast. It's a Consumer Choice Center original podcast and also tick the notification bell. So if you're subscribing to it right now and you don't want to miss the next upcoming episodes four and five uh, and also three, 
dropping on Wednesday, uh, then you get a notification from your podcast player that it's out. So yeah, please subscribe. You can listen to all of that. Also for the people who like to have it on their laptop and, and play it on YouTube, you can do that as well. It's also available on YouTube if you just type in Fun Police and Consumer Choice Center. So um, yeah, please subscribe, recommend it to a friend and rate it five stars if you like it. Fantastic. Thank you for, for coming on, Bill, and talking about this important issue. Very interesting for us as well. And um, I was part of episode three as well. So thank you for having me um, the other way around. Um, so take care and see you again soon. Thanks for having me.